0: Join the meal because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Welcome to Redemption's Table Podcast. Here we are. It's Monday morning again, it's the second week in February. Today we are at Vestavia Hills. We are in Klingler's Bakery and I am having lunch today with our special podcast guest Ethan Milner. Ethan, welcome to the table. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thank you for suggesting this place. This was awesome. Pretty good, right?
1: It was great. Why did you choose here? Um, I started coming here when I started working at Shades, which is right down the road and uh, so for the last eight years, I'm always trying to convince people to come here. And uh, so anytime I get a lunch invite, it's my first choice, pretty much.
0: It was awesome. Pretty good. We both had the same thing. Ruben. Mm-hmm. Well, Reuben. The Reuben. Can't beat it. The no. Best,
1: best one I've had in town. That's yeah. great.
0: And we also had one of the top 100 things to eat in Alabama before you die. Which was a first for me.
1: I, hadn't, you, you, I have to thank you for that. You know, I hadn't had the, what was it? Uh, Black Forest. Black Forest cake. Yeah, Cheese Cheesecake, yeah.
0: yeah. So good. It's great. High Taking recommend. half a mine home. Yeah, same. Yeah. Man, thanks for coming. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to be visiting with you. You are the visual arts director. Visual
1: arts. Yeah. At shades Mountain Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. So film is kind of your forte. Film is definitely kind of my passion piece. The thing that I've been in love with for as long as I can remember. Wanting to do something. And at shades, as we kind of formed a department, we started calling it visual arts. I still don't know what that means, but you know, we make films. We do uh, the website and social media and print design and photography. Anything you look at, I guess, is yeah. what we do.
0: Well, you all do it very well. Well, thank you. I was uh, one of our podcast guests back in December. It was Michael Adler, mm-hmm. who is the worship director there at Shades. Sure, yeah. And as I was talking with him about Christmas at Shades, from the first time I went, five years ago, uh, the one of the key elements of that event that caught me off guard, how good it was, was the the film mm. that was connected. Well, thank you. Uh, and I've learned that day that mm. you're the you're the one of the
1: key components behind that. I'm a uh, <laughs> small cog, you know, in the big wheel that we've been, uh, for whatever reason, very graciously been able to. Build at Shades, where we get to make things like films, which I, you know, is not super normal for a church. Um, and so I'm very grateful to have a place where that's okay and has become expected. You know, uh, don't take that for granted, for sure.
0: Yeah, I was at a conference that your church hosted last week—a mm-hmm. Songs Plus Stories conference. I was mm-hmm. there for the stories part. You actually led the stories part because mm-hmm. the focus was on film, but y'all allowed us. Uh, opportunity to kind of see how your staff works together, your pastor Danny Wood, and all the other components mm. that come to the table to make uh, these incredible works that, that y'all are mm. putting out on a regular basis. Uh, films. Uh, mm. uh, y'all, and I told you, uh, I, th- I sent you an email, and I said, wow, what I saw today was very much what I would, I w- working at Shades would be what I would imagine what they say working at Pixar animated studios mm-hmm. is like that you love going to work mm-hmm. because of the collaborative effort and because you have a lot of freedom there.
1: We really do and uh, doing conferences like that really helps point it out because then you get around people from all over the state who are doing a similar job or would like to do a similar, similar type of work that we're getting to do uh, and it was a really I don't know, for our whole team we sat around afterwards uh, kind of just being thankful mm-hmm. you know that we got to to work for the people we get to work for we get to experiment, we get to do the kind of things that um, we get to do you sometimes get so tunneled, tunnel visioned into there's a Sunday every seven days or there's you know, 15,000 big events throughout the year and you're just going going, 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 so something like that conference was great to be able to talk to people and kind of take a step back and go, man it's pretty unique this is, this is special that we get to do that the Pixar compliment is a high, high praise I told you in that email I'm obsessed with Pixar in general the studio in general but the Pixar culture like management culture mm-hmm. um as I stepped into a managerial role uh Ed Catmull's book who is the president or he's retired now um, but started Pixar mm-hmm. was you know foundational for me like everything that he writes about in that book is like how I'm trying to uh lead my team and collaborate and all the kind of tenants that he holds dear have been sort of guiding lights for me working with the team, especially.
0: Yeah, you all did some phenomenal work. I've seen a lot of your films. Uh, I went back and caught up on some online after oh, yeah. the conference last <laughs> week. You put together about a two-minute reel, uh, a montage mm. of film shots, and I told you that could be... Awards is coming up this Sunday night. Of course, those of you who are listening it was last night So uh, well, but you know when they put together those uh, film moments and put them together The body of work that y'all have put out just in that two-minute segment of all
1: these different shots Really incredible some nice stuff on film. Thank you. Thank you. That was uh, from the past I think everything in that reel was in the last like two years Um, and I've been there eight years now so uh, there's a lot more that could have gone in there. We try to do one, some some sort of montage like that, you know, every couple of years to just be able to almost watch it as a team. And like, here's a stamp of it's been a good couple years, you know. It might have been three years, that one, now that I think about it. What does film bring to worship? I would say when we started, it was all, that was the question. And it was all experimental. You know, when I started in 2012, um, they asked me to put together sort of a five-year vision of like, where could film play into the church's mission and culture uh and so i just started throwing up on the wall what you saw other people do which was um we could do you know baptism testimonies to where you know people are getting baptized and you can hear their conversion story or whatever Mm -hmm. has brought them to that moment of obedience instead of just being kind of this face that's up in the distance in the baptistry Um, We could do announcement pieces, you know, where we're talking about all these things happening in the life of the church. Just a good way to get information across. Um, And as I started looking around for sort of influences and things, looking at starting a church sort of media department, places doing uh, sort of branded content, like taking a visual idea. and. Tying it to where the what the pastor is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, at the time we were just calling them bumpers. Like, mm-hmm. we'll just have an intro for the pastor to get up. But it was a, sort of a stab in the dark. We didn't know. It took a lot of experimentation to figure out what actually made that valuable. Mm-hmm. The easy uh, thing immediately was, well, it'll be a good transition. You know, that word was like thrown around way too much early on of like, it'll be smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that we started valuing that as like a high, 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 thing, which is fine, you know. Uh, smooth transition that helps a qualitative feeling about Mm -hmm. a service. But it took a while to figure out how do we actually set up a pastor? How can we complement where he's going? Um, And we basically, over the last eight years have drilled that process down to being like can we take an image Mm -hmm. or a story and and use those tools to ask a question that then he can answer? Um, And we only came to that by doing it wrong, it turns out, you know, like trying to hey, what are you preaching on? Right, we talk about themes, we work on that together, and then we try to take and say that exact same thing Mm -hmm. in a bumper, or Mm -hmm. a a sermon intro, and of course that was like it was always terrible, because uh, we would try to say the thing and then he'd get up there and be like, yeah that, you know, let's (laughs) unpack that, and it just was backwards and not helpful, it was not a one-two punch, it was just like one one, you know, again (laughs) Um, and so it was just experimentation like that where we were trying to figure out uh, how can we serve our pastor well. Mm-hmm. And then experimenting in places like um, in the in the regular worship gathering and the idea of story, really, mm-hmm. that we started thinking about, praying about, you know, the way Jesus' ministry, the way he chose to communicate the kingdom of God was through stories. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important thing. Um, Thing and asking the question, why did he choose to do that? And there's a certain power that narrative stories have in general, that um, is unique to in its ability to communicate things that are otherwise, you know, ununderstandable, in understandable, or however you would say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've, you know, made documentary pieces and narrative short films and tried to ex- and print print kind of uh, photo essays and journalistic sort of endeavors. To where we're just trying to tell stories. Now that's as simple as it gets. You know? We're just trying to tell stories in every medium, whether that's social media or putting a, bunch, putting a movie on TV. Yeah. You know, We just want to tell stories that do that, that try to communicate the kingdom of God in a way that it's not impossible to do, but mm-hmm. more difficult to do with a sermon or with a song. Uh, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I remember when I was 10 years old, I saw a movie. That stirred something within me, and it kind of was a pivotal moment in my life. Uh, I started doing something really weird, which I'll unpack in just a minute. But the film was The Sons of Katie Elder, yeah, John Wayne, yeah. It provoked Dean Dean Martin, yeah. 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 It provoked something within me. What it provoked is this strong sense of justice within me, Mm -hmm. of wanting right. To prevail, wrong, the evil to, to be defeated. And I remember seeing that movie. I was 10 years of age. It made such a deep impression on me. And I thought, I'm going to start making a list of all the movies I see. Hmm. And I've been, and now I'm at, I think I'm up to 6,875 movies, something yeah. like that. Um, I don't watch as many as I used to. But do you recall a time? that a film provoked something do you recall the first film that provoked something deep within you, what was the film
1: what did it provoke mm. so I get that question as a filmmaker a lot of uh, what's your favorite movie mm-hmm. You know, and I always find that is an impossible mm-hmm. question to answer I like the way that you asked it because that's how I think about uh, my life in a way the timeline of my life which is that there were moments or movies um, and often other art forms but works of art and in movies in particular that i thought about things or i looked at them my perspective was a certain way and then after watching it there was this tweaking there was this shift and Mm -hmm. uh, i couldn't look at things the same way after knowing either from just like a nerdy filmmaking craft standpoint that this was possible you know um or in a broader context that that what it taught me or what it exposed me to was that that life Existed, that life was possible. And I can't possibly think the same way after being in that person's shoes. You mm-hmm. know, it's experiential. That's what makes film amazing. It's experiential in that way. The first movie ever that I've, like, you know, just grew up with, you know, E.T. and Star Wars and, um, was obsessed with movies that was kind of what we did as a family especially mm-hmm. my dad and my brother that was a thing we did we went to movies together and watched movies around the house and that was kind of a, a way of my, my dad handing himself down you know to his kids so a lot of we- like Sons of Katie Elder Rio mm-hmm. Bravo El Dorado The Searchers like John Wayne was a staple in my childhood you weren't
0: named for Ethan Edwards I didn't? was named for oh, Ethan right. Edwards
1: my parents so, wow. were watching The Searchers um, either it was the, the story goes either when they were in the hospital or before and, just, and he's not a good guy in that movie. No, he's not. But he's a very complex <laughs> but character. He's, very, he's a wonderful character. Yeah. And that's, you know, John Ford's probably best movie. Um, but I am named after Ethan Edwards. How about that? Uh, so the first movie, and I, so I was just obsessed with him, right? And then I was probably eight or nine, maybe ten, um, and I was watching Indiana Jones, Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark. And that question of going beyond, hey, this is really enjoyable. I've now watched this 50 times. Uh, You start, as a kid, to think, uh, I know this isn't real. And that doesn't matter to me that it's not real. Once you start having that realization, you start looking and going, like, somebody... You know, I see the way my family operates. got a big family. Somebody's got to be in charge. Mm -hmm. Somebody's got to be the mom or the dad of all these people. Who is telling these people what to say and, like, where to go and how to act? And, you know, how many times... So you just started thinking about... um, that idea, and at the time, my family's not like a like a filmmaking family by any stretch, um, and so th- that they were no help. You know, it was just thinking, well, there's some people making movies. Maybe it's the actors. Maybe I want to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get a little older. Um, it was probably 12, 13 that I learned what a director was, and that was when DVDs were coming out, and you mm-hmm. could listen to things like DVD commentaries um, or watch bonus features, behind the scenes, you know, things before YouTube, um, and that just like unlocked it for me, the idea that uh, I can make people if if that's a job I can grow up and do, like I see my parents have jobs, if I can grow up and do that job I can make people feel the way that these things make me feel Mm -hmm. there was a kind of innate understanding of like you know, I did things like you know, scared my sisters and we told you know, telling stories verbally my uncle was always like the best storyteller I ever knew Uh, and I always aspired to be you know, be able to like kind of capture a room the way that he does with his words mm-hmm. and but also, I was such a shy kid I thought maybe like movies is a way that I can be like that I can tell stories that make people feel a way that and they don't have a choice you know I can scare people make people laugh I can like get people's attention with stories um, and, it, and that all started with like Raiders of the Lost Ark just kind of figuring you know putting pieces together and figuring out behind the scenes there's gotta be somebody in charge you know and then it was like Making little high eight, you know, uh tape camera uh, you know, my grandparents got my parents a camera and we would just make little monster movies. This cut directly in camera, you know, it'd say three, two, and then you would hit record and your siblings would do a scene <laughs> and then on when somebody punched somebody you would cut and go to a different angle and you go three, two, and then you'd try to start it at the exact same spot. So just making dozens and dozens of, you know, bad spy movies and monster movies and all those things. Uh, and then there's just markers it's a very long-winded question i mean the answer i apologize but just markers in my life of seeing things and just going i didn't know that that was possible mm-hmm. now my my scope my view of what i want to do with my life has expanded even more you know um magnolia talk mm-hmm. paul thomas anderson i saw that movie when i was like 17 and that's a movie that i can um recommend but not endorse mm-hmm. <laughs> necessarily but i watched that movie and i went this is you can do this. This is okay. You know, that you can... uh, I won't spoil the end of that movie, but, like, it just blew my mind as, like, a 16, 17-year-old. And it kind of changed the way that I walked about walking around in the world and seeing things and starting to think, like, say that movie in particular has a bunch of stories in it. It's Mm -hmm. nine different characters all within the same story. And you start to just look at people like that, that everybody's got a story. Mm -hmm. As a kid, that starts to really work on your empathy work on your sense and and imagination that you go and there's just people everywhere in this world and they've all got a story as a creative person that's kind of very energizing yeah
0: and that was one of the first films to do that where Mm -hmm. it was weaving all these stories into Mm -hmm. one uh, one touch point Mm -hmm. along the way and a lot of people have emulated it since right a lot of television shows now are kind of following that kind of that ensemble
1: mm -hmm. yeah thing
0: yeah yeah, you know, interesting. You mentioned him. I, I wore a T-shirt for you today, oh, yeah, but we, we didn't Crazy. come to the right. We we didn't go. Well, we came to the right place, but. I, oh wow!
1: Did you have that from the set? And I, does your audience know about that?
0: <laughs> no, they don't know about this. For the, my my for daughter bought me this that's shirt. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. All right, for for the podcast audience, I, Robert is showing me his <coughs> "There Will Be Blood" themed T-shirt because I, upon meeting each other, I let him know. Um, you had the poster you, you in did, your office. That's what it was. You walked yeah. in my office. I think you had just mentioned it about being in mo- or mm-hmm. having been in a couple of movies, and you mentioned there will be blood, and I just went, you know. Uh, got super excited, red-faced, and I took you into my office Mm -hmm. and and showed you my There Will Be Blood poster as a very, very important movie for me. And so he's wearing his uh, There Will Be Blood, I Drink Your uh, Milkshake-themed T-shirt for me. I was going to
0: order milkshakes, and I was going to (laughs) drink your milkshake, but that that opportunity didn't present itself. Uh, Shame. Next time. Maybe next time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting the way you approach filmmaking, kind of the same way that I approach uh, sermon construction. Mm -hmm. I God lays things upon my heart but it's in the way in the manner in which it first appealed to me or mm-hmm. drew me in. You're doing the same thing with movies. Mm-hmm. You know the things that have drawn you in. You're you're looking to bring those type of stories before people that will draw them in the same mm-hmm. way. So it has to touch you first, right? Before you put it out there for it to touch
1: others. And for me it's a way of like processing when I learned that again through trial and error that movies didn't have to be I didn't have to be really really certain about how I felt about something Mm -hmm. Um, that my job was not to answer a question it was to ask it that was very freeing for me because then I was able to use uh, filmmaking in whatever format big or small or commercial or however as sort of a way of like figuring out how almost like a bit of therapy, like figuring out taking things from my life questions that I might have and putting them in other people's mouths or um, a character's situation or mm-hmm. something like that that help me just process in a way you know process life in a way um, and sometimes that's really obvious I feel like and it can often be a bit embarrassing the idea that you then you finish it and you realize man' I'm maybe a little too. Uh, Word on my sleeves on this one, and then sometimes it's like really, really subtle. though sometimes the things that I see and felt most clearly aren't really apparent um, to a lot of people watching.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, not every story has to be in a neat little box. And again, that's one of the things that impressed me about the films there at Shades. Mm-hmm. They were uh, they were deeper. They were more character driven, and. They didn't answer all the questions, and cliffhangers are not a bad thing. Mm. Um, there's a couple of stories, one in the Old Testament, the story of Jonah. Ends on a, we don't know how that ended. Right. We don't know if Jonah came to his senses, laughed and said, oh, silly me, mm-hmm. and went on being a better prophet than he was <laughs> right. in, in the prodigal son. Right. But it's left wide open at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's those type experiences that, you know, you've sat in the theater, I know you have, I've done it, and get to the end, suddenly the credits start rolling and you're going, that's it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it drives you crazy there at first. There's nothing
1: left for you to fill, put yourself into. Yeah. It was like they just answered... Everything for you—it's yeah. dissatisfying in a way, yeah. and it's hard to watch again too. Like being a movie-obsessed person, I realized that like I could watch a movie and really enjoy it for the first time. But the things that I loved were the things that I could keep going back to because um, I was involved in a way that was not just observation. Like, uh, don't want to disparage it, but like uh, I don't remember what year that came out. Transformers—the first Transformers—I mm-hmm. watched that movie. For the first time in high school or whenever they came out and was like this is the greatest thing ever the visuals and it's loud and it's so entertaining and then I went back took a friend back I was like my dad and then took a friend back and I fell asleep within five minutes and I was out for the whole movie (laughs) no matter how loud and how visually interesting and I realized then that it was uh, I would rather make the movie that I I want to see multiple times that I can get mileage that I can revisit year after year Mm -hmm. and no matter what's changed in my life, I start to see it differently. You know those are my favorite movies, the ones that I can just keep going back to that well and so my aspiration i don 't think I 've come near accomplishing it, but my aspiration would be to make films like that mm-hmm. that um, don't require it necessarily but but could invite you to come back and I think the way you do that is just leaving it leaving some room for the audience mm-hmm. uh, but I also learned the hard way through. Making Seven Shades. That's not what everybody wants. Yeah, That's what I love and what I want. We did a TV movie a couple years ago, a Christmas film we put on television, and the end of that movie is, is wide open. Mm-hmm. It ends with a question um, of basically, was this kind of in a figment of you know storytelling imagination? Was this in his head or did this all really happen and we're just telling the story out of order? And the moment that that question could be answered for the audience, we pan away and we go look at something else and end the movie on a very different note and um, people were so upset <laughs> they didn't love it you know I mean some people really love that kind of thing mm-hmm. like me but some people were just like well which was it which, yeah. what was it you know and I was like I don't,
0: you tell me I don't know but I'm willing to guess that some of the very people who didn't like it to begin with they've come around I hope so and they've changed because the, so. I've, I've walked out of theaters before at the end of the movie uh-huh. hating something Mm-hmm. And only for it to, within a short period of time, after I stop think, start thinking about it, yeah, it becomes one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I saw Tombstone, another western. Yeah, I didn't like Tombstone. Yeah, uh, I knew that Kevin Costner was coming out with Wyatt Earp, and I thought uh, Val Kilmer was cheesy in it at first. Uh-huh. that's just how it came across. Now it's a classic. Yeah, and it's just like one of my favorite. You know, that's a, just an enjoyable film to sit down and watch. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not always right my first assessment because I'm wanting the story to go a certain way Mm -hmm. when it doesn't go the way I want it to right if well, it didn't meet your expectation, yeah. yeah, but that's that's not live.
1: That's right. And those are the best ones where, if you talk about it just from a pure economic sense, getting your money's worth, you paid whatever nowadays, like twenty bucks, mm-hmm. to go see a movie. Something that sticks with you afterwards, it's like getting a bigger meal for mm-hmm. the same price. Like you were left after Tombstone with certain questions that were nagging at you until you you came back to it, or you even just thought about, it. even if you never watched that movie again, the fact that you were thinking about it later is the magical thing that like films get to do yeah. you know and then in the church if you can leverage that where they're going to lunch you know talking about something or thinking about something or they're coming back week to week and we're progressing a story as it goes mm-hmm. over the course of five six weeks um, it's building on itself yeah that's kind of like a great opportunity for gospel centered storytelling you know
0: yeah it is and it's and it's a good thing too in to to have Happen in sermons mm-hmm. because if everything's in a neat, tidy package, right? Those things get forgotten. But when you're going out with, well, I got more questions now than when I came in the door. Yeah, questions are not a bad thing. Right, they lead us to truth. Right, and uh, where are the special places, sacred spaces in your life connected to film? Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm, th- I'm, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. One of the films that resonates with me deeply is the movie Castaway, hmm. and I, I have different reasons for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the very end of the movie, where he finally goes to deliver that FedEx package mm-hmm. that has been with him on the island, the Tom Hanks character, and he's at that he delivers the package, and there he is at a crossroads. And I know where that crossroads is. It's in the Panhandle of West Texas, up, oh, wow. uh, around uh, north of Amarillo. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah. Stood on those that stood on that spot and having had the emotions from that movie I reconnect not only with the movie but also those that crossroads in my own life I've been there at a couple of different times I chose I was in the process of filming a book that I had uh, written there, and I used that as one of my sites, and that project never was finished, but then I went back at a crossroads of my own life, and so that's what I'm asking is, mm-hmm. you know, where are those uh, special places, maybe do you have a connection with film, maybe it's an actual locale, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, sacred spaces that, you know, maybe you just know it from being
1: in the, uh, to seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, whether that's just my family or all families today, do a great job of like keeping photo albums Mm -hmm. everybody's got a camera roll on their phone but i often think about again chapter markers in my life in terms of how i thought about film or storytelling or whatever it was in general it's a marker as to who i was and what i was doing and the things i was thinking about at that time and it extends into making films where i'm doing a big, big film project of which there's multiple every year i get to look at that that uh location again or prop from something or the final product and it i don't really think so much about the movie and how well or how poorly that turned out as much as i think about the friends that were there with me the experiences that we had and how difficult it was how hot it was who what you know what it, where my priorities were at that time um what i was worrying about that turned out to be nothing like i'm reminded of all those things a lot uh speaking of that 2017 christmas movie I went back. I had a commercial shoot this past weekend, mm-hmm. and I went back to that same location. It's a, a connection. It's like a farm location, and it's a connection. Personal friend, and uh, asked them. I hadn't been out there in three years since we shot there. And it was like four days, and just it was August. Uh, it could not have been hotter, you know. <laughs> and whether it was, we we're just in the middle of this field, 110% humidity. You know, it was just miserable for these four or five days that we were out there. Um, and I got back to that location and it was beautiful I mean I shot this past Sunday it was like 65 degrees Uh, sun was going down we're shooting a sunset thing and um, I just was reminded walking on those same roads dirt roads and things like what how silly some things I was worried about were uh, how God provided for you know certain things what all has happened in the last like three years you know you just get to like look at these little moments that are like saved to disc Mm -hmm. these like cached memories via the convenient container of these like movies and relationships are that way and there's all sorts of things like that and then when it comes to movies like I think about I'll revisit same movies just to like feel like I'm spending time with Whatever that connection to that movie is, like my, my grandfather's favorite movie was Rio Bravo. Mm-hmm. Um, That's one of my favorites. And it's and I've watched that movie maybe more than I've watched any single movie, because it's like even though he's not here anymore, it's like hanging out with him. Or reminds me of a time where we could just sit at their mm-hmm. farm in Mississippi and and watch that. Um, it's a perfect you know, uh, re revisitable movie for somebody mm-hmm. It never gets old that movie. Mm-hmm. I watched it a thousand times and I just can't possibly get tired of it. Um, and so there's definitely movies like that where um, yeah. I connect them to a person, and by spending time with those characters in the movie, it's like I'm spending time with that person, because it just you know it's like when a smell brings you back to yeah. a moment. Movies can do that for me for yeah. whatever reason.
0: That movie is mind blowing in it in that it is 144 minutes long,
1: mm-hmm. the perfect length.
0: But yeah, but but, it, but most. Uh, films around that time, you know, they were coming in at two hours or less. Mm-hmm. Doesn't feel like two hours and 24 minutes. Uh-oh. And that whole movie is about camaraderie, mm-hmm. uh, Relationship. about relationships. You know? mm-hmm. Instead of the lone individualist mm-hmm. getting the job done, uh-huh. he has to rely on weak
1: individuals, right? And the redemption yeah. of yeah. Dean Martin's character. You yeah. have all these the generations. How about that? That's How many? Correct. I hope our podcast listeners can hear the cuckoo clocks on the <laughs> In the German wall. bakery. In the German bakery. Sounds like we're at
0: Disney World. It, <laughs> it does. It's, it's a small world after all. <laughs> this is Epcot. is <laughs> where
1: we're having lunch. Um, but, yeah, there's just moments like that where I'm grateful for, like, I'm thankful to have movies for that reason. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I catch lines from films slipping into my life.
1: Um mm-hmm. uh,
0: where it's and I will say things and if if people are movie savvy they'll know exactly what I mean if they don't have a clue you know, mm-hmm. I have to explain myself which I have to do that a lot too mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know there, there's a line from that movie Rio Bravo when he's talking about you know the Ward Bond characters coming and saying you need help you mm-hmm. don't have these guys can't cut it and he says something to the effect it's uh, it's uh, it's what I've got it's not who I, it's, it's yeah. not what I've got it's who I've got yeah or something like that yeah. I didn't even,
1: say that right. And but. you look at it and he's got yeah. a, a crippled old man. Mm-hmm. He's got a drunk. Mm-hmm. He's got this hot shot, young yeah. young gun. He's not tested. He's not tested. But that moment of like we're gonna make the best of it. Yeah. We'll see. Outnumbered, outgunned. Uh huh. It's a great movie.
0: It's a great movie. What other films, film characters one of my favorite genres now. It's a genre that I've I've made up, I used to say I'm a Westerns fan, but now I say I'm a redemption fan. I'm looking Mm -hmm. for the redeeming moment in the film, and and they're great redemption films in my estimation. These would be the movies that Jesus could have directed if you Mm -hmm. were around today directing them. What films come to your mind?
1: Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, there's definitely, my mind immediately goes to the sort of like a spiritualized sort of... uh, realm of filmmaking like the sort of terrence malick you know mm-hmm. realm of, of things where you feel like that's a that's a poet or a person that's in touch with something um a bit in a in, in maybe a prophetic way mm-hmm. like a bit he's listening uh, whatever spirituality looks like in his life you just there's a sense of of god in um, the visuals in in the metaphor of like the relationship tree of life about a father and how mm-hmm. our fathers um you know cause us to uh view our heavenly father and how Mm -hmm. can i think a god loves me my heavenly father loves me if my my earthly father this i know him as stern and strict and you know hurtful at times Mm -hmm. i think of uh movies like that i'm trying to think of an example specific character
0: i think of films like uh it's a wonderful life, as common so as that perfect, is. I, you know, yeah. George Bailey, he's every man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I identify
1: with George Bailey. Mm-hmm. There's something about that movie that um, isn't family tradition, like a lot of families. like That's the Christmas Eve mm-hmm. movie, the thing that we do together. And there is no movie that is more... There's a 100 out of 100% chance that that movie will make me cry. Mm-hmm. At the moment of people start bringing stuff into the house at the end of that movie mm-hmm. the, the every every character that you've crossed paths with tang- tangentially people that he perceives as not loving him mm-hmm. and being obstacles to him the whole time all come and sacrifice something about sacrifice in a movie mm-hmm. that is like the surefire way selflessness the idea of like selflessness on display surefire way to get like tears for me every yeah. time you know somebody having sacrificially uh, either given or um, shown up for somebody you know any in a war movie you have like mm-hmm. somebody comes alongside you know a buddy comes alongside his, his uh, brethren in arms and then that's like I'm done waterworks yeah. I'm done at the end of
0: Schindler's List yeah you know
1: I could have done, like, done more
0: I could have done more yeah and I'm like wow what a moment you know mm-hmm. I mean he'd already done so much compared mm-hmm. to others but mm-hmm. Uh, and then that one, that that one always causes me deep introspection. Yeah. Where could I be doing more?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And will I ever reach a moment when I realize it all comes to
1: fruition or comes full circle? Uh-huh. I'm like, mm. mm-hmm.
0: all the opportunities I missed.
1: The yeah, uh, that gives you a sense of like a jolt of urgency. The idea of like we just go through our life thinking. A- Insular. I've got to do these twelve things today on my to-do list to get it done. Yada yada yada. And then he has a moment at the end of that movie where he goes, "Man, there was so. I spent so much money on things that didn't matter. I spent so much time on things that didn't matter. If I had devoted a hundred and ten percent of my life to this, there could I could have saved so many more. Mm-hmm. Once he saw where it was headed and and all the faces gathered that he did save, it didn't matter because he only could think about." all the waste, all the, what could have been. And often, yeah, that's an incredible perspective to walk out of a film with. That's gotta be what that film's about, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I heard Bob Goff say this. He's talking about conversations. He says, if you have the right conversation at the right place, you just had the right conversation.
1: Hmm.
0: And I've kinda taken his quote and, and paraphrased it. If you see the right film At the right moment in your life, you've Mm -hmm. just seen the right film. Mm -hmm. You have an example like that where where that was true, you know, Mm -hmm.
1: for you. Can you think of a time? There's a couple examples where either in the film and the filmmaking or um, in its themes or or its perspective, it has changed or has been a good, important moment for me. Like, I'll think about i wanted to do the same thing since I was you know 10 years old that's just a long time to be focused on one thing and to not feel i have a a sense of ambition towards that Mm -hmm. goal of making feature films that i've yet to accomplish uh and and so i can get so focused and so sort of like goal oriented even in my current role that i tend to overlook how wonderful and fulfilling and that that um, sometimes your goals are just arbitrary sometimes mm-hmm. you invent a horizon just to have something to, to look forward to and if you could just step, snap out of that and realize there is no horizon you would be fulfilling that purpose already you know uh, I remember watching Whiplash oh, that came out 2015 and I was 25 29 now 25 and uh, and watching a person pursue something so relentlessly that for three quarters of that movie I was like This is what it takes this is what i'm talking about this is how i see myself in terms of how i I voraciously consume um knowledge about filmmaking uh, my you know uh, experience with different types of films like just watching somebody if you're not familiar with that movie a drummer Mm -hmm. you know go to extreme lengths to be as good as is what is expected of him by this uh, kind of demented teacher and for three quarters of that movie, I'm like, yes, this is what it takes. And I was glorifying it. And then for the last third or, you know, quarter of that movie, it turns so dark and goes to such a, a dangerous place that I went, oh man, what was I thinking? And, you know, it was almost like getting in a car accident, like a near miss car accident. And you're like, what? Oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta check, put this in check. Some, <laughs> something's not okay here. Something's not right. Um, and so I have movies like that for sure. There's a, but in, in a different sense, like a more of a, there's a movie called Crecia that was like made for like $14,000. And mm. it's a feature film by uh, an incredible director, first time filmmaker at the time named Trey Edward Schultz. And he's just come out with a new movie that's unbelievable. But I remember watching that and it was like all in one house and on, and he put this hour plus long documentary of making it on the, uh, the dvd mm-hmm. and watching that for an hour is kind of just fly on the wall very unproduced behind the scenes because they didn't have much money to put together like a typical press kit you know and i was uh that changed the way i was like man this is so doable he's just got a steady cam operator a good dp that he's got a relationship with maybe there's like one gaffer on set and it's just his family you know who happen to be talented actors and he's just a talented enough writer mm-hmm. and director to make it all work like, it doesn't have to be I think up until then I was waiting on somebody to um, uh, see me mm-hmm. and go hey here's the keys to the car enjoy drive as fast as you want yeah. you know here's the keys to Hollywoodland or whatever and I was it, that was an important mile marker because I was like what am I waiting on where did I get this idea that all of a sudden I would just be Some somebody would see something I'd be tapped on the shoulder and put on a jet plane to go make a feature you know um, that just doesn't happen I just yeah this is and that changed even how i approach work at shades where we started doing larger um narrative projects that i had previously thought were unattainable i was mm-hmm. like man it's so doable just like i just need a couple good people and a little bit of trust and we can do a lot with that you know so there's yeah there's definitely kind of important both things that change my heart and things that change my ambition yeah yeah
0: it, you know you i'm you're a filmmaker. And so you're, you're focused on a story in front of your camera, and yet there's a story behind your camera. And how has God taught you in the making of film? How has How has He flipped the script on you? How has He turned the table on you in teaching you things
1: about your own life, and your own mm-hmm. faith, and your own walk with Jesus? For a long, long time, and this is, I think, a benefit of working in a church where you are telling, like our goal is to enable, especially in the documentary sense, mm-hmm. we're doing shade stories, things like that, to enable people to tell their stories for a long time. Again, because of that blind ambition, because of that um, ex- intense passion for filmmaking, it mm-hmm. was, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to express. Here's what this is, you know, it's it's this sort of ugly side of like and it doesn't always have to be but the sort of uglier side of this is my gift Mm -hmm. the thing that I'm going to put out here for for everyone Uh, and what had to change what God ended up so you try to do a documentary Mm -hmm. like you're trying to tell somebody else a story and that's your ambition it will be a bad documentary (laughs) if you're trying to impose your great filmmaking genius on you know Joe and Anne's you know, a uh, testimony mm-hmm. story, then it will be bad. <laughs> There's yeah. just no way for it not to be. And so learning a sense of just like humility, like your skill is, doesn't exist for any reason outside of helping serving, you know? Um, and that kind of had to bleed into the way that we told stories that I'm not here. I'm not here to tell your story. Mm-hmm. I'm here to help you and enable you. I've got certain gifts and abilities and experience that will help you tell your story. Um, all the way to like working on a larger film set that, you know, making sure it's not like me and then 25 people under me mm-hmm. that are accomplishing my vision. That I am trying to be a person that is uh, enabling. Because I know I had to realize again that empathy thing. You go. I don't want to be. I wouldn't want to be one of those 25 people, uh, just a pawn to, you know, accomplish some guy's vision. Yeah. I want to be asked, prodded, invited in enabled to to do that same thing so trying to be the director that then is also saying to everybody around you who's got ideas what should we do what do you think um, and trying to empower people's creativity and that always ends up being the best, best thing you know just realizing that like that model that you're taught early on of what a filmmaker is mm-hmm. is often just built out of hubris and like legend and not so much somebody that's good at loving yeah. you know I'd much rather be um can remembered as like kind than remembered as like a genius yeah. or right
0: you know yeah i mean it's good to have a heart for excellence mm-hmm. we have to temper it with even a heart for excellence can be deceitful
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh and so, yeah, and I, and I have identified what you're saying. I, I have been the eye charging across some landscape saying, follow me. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and to the point of a few times where I've been like Uriah and turn around, it's like, nobody's following me. Right, right. <laughs> I wonder why. what. happened, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'm you know, going back and repented of those times. God, uh-huh. forgive me for being so. Yeah. My, I call myself that, a jerk, you Yeah. know, just yeah. I, I didn't mean to come across this way. Yeah. I didn't mean for passion to to trample compassion.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the, the work too, is like the balance of everything, like mm-hmm. in life, just in adulthood. All those things, of, there needs to be via experience. People do want somebody to follow. There mm-hmm. is that aspect of it. Uh, you want to appear confident and balancing confidence with openness mm-hmm. on a set is a, is a worthwhile challenge you know of like people can feel safe placing their confidence in you but at the same time feel enabled that it's not your way or the highway or that you'll if, if something does not happen according to your expectation that you'll lose your mind yeah. you know and start screaming and stuff um, the amount of pride and hubris that comes with even the idea of getting annoyed you know mm-hmm. it's like who am I to get annoyed? Yeah. And I have to fight that like all the time. It's just that I expected something that didn't happen. Well, whose fault is that? You know, my expectations fault. Yeah. My fault. Yeah. It's a big part of it.
0: What I witnessed last Monday at that conference was a very healthy mm. situation uh, from, you know, Danny Woods, your pastor, Michael Adler, uh, worship, you know, and your whole team there. It's just, I was like, man, what it breathes. It has life and, mm. it, and it, and it, um, just seems good and healthy, good environment there, and I think that's a, that's the best testimony to the gospel mm-hmm. that we could ever give anyone, regardless of whether we're serving cheesecake at uh-huh. a German yeah. bakery or, you know, working at a church or mm-hmm. picking up the garbage or you know whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm.
1: That's what we're yeah. trying to communicate at that conference too. Like we're very grateful. We realize it's different. Um, say a, a creative department to have mm-hmm. such a relationship with the head pastor at any, any size church um, or any size organization. You know, even if you're a marketing entity within a company, a corporation, the, the idea that you're spending that much time collaborating mm-hmm. with the CEO is very odd. Yeah. Um, and that takes a lot of work. It's not super easy and super natural. Those people, CEOs, pastors, whoever, are busy people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it takes intentionality and grace and patience. And just a lot of work to accomplish that. That did yeah. not happen quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. And I knew. That, yeah, you could tell that it did not. Mm. There was no magical formula for that. What's the line from "Remember the Titans"? Uh, you know, attitude reflects leadership, or something like that. Right. Like that. I think I think like, exactly wow. It. What a you know beautiful testimony. Mm. Uh, man, it's been a delight talking to you. Thanks so I, much uh, for having me. We could talk film. All the rest of the we afternoon. definitely could. Uh, and probably chase a ton of rabbits yeah, in right. that arena. Yeah. Uh, here it is this Wednesday before the Oscars on mm. Sunday night. Who, do you have a prediction who will um, walk away with best I am film? I'm
1: always so bad. I, like, we'll have an Oscar party every year, mm-hmm. and I get it so wrong. Like, I'm the worst. I end up with the l- lowest score because I can't separate what I, my personal feeling, what I want to do well, um, from what it will actually probably mm-hmm. do well. I'm hoping Parasite was probably my favorite okay. movie that came out this past year uh, of the things that got nominated there were several things that I just loved that did not get nominated I um, also loved Irishman you talk about a movie that about the themes of like regret and um, you know isolation and what choices mean that was like a beautiful and important film I think for a long time I take Parasite.
0: You'll go Parasite. Okay. I'm going to go Parasite. Well, that's will, probably not
1: going to win, that. So they will <laughs> Nobody will put that on your ballot. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, they won't hear this until uh, so it after truly. it's all done. Yeah. So. Uh, and I've only seen one of the films in that, uh, the, the best film selection this year, and that's 1917. Mm. And I'm that's just, a, I, a lot of times the Academy will do something innovative. Mm-hmm. Like a few years ago, the the silent film that yeah, came yeah, back. Yeah, they, the they, artist, it, yeah. Yeah, it won best film. So yeah. uh, that one. That one's in my head, mm-hmm. you know, because we, we'd already talked about that before we started rolling. Yeah, just I feel like there's a five-mile stretch somewhere yeah. on a battlefront that I know well because yeah. I've seen it from the perspective of two. soul printed on you somehow. Yeah. yeah, Man, it's been a joy, been a pleasure, Thanks and we'll so have to do this again. Absolutely, sometime. anytime. Please. Thank you for suggesting cleaners absolutely and uh, those of you who are tuned in right back here next Monday morning and when you hear the call party of redemption your table is now available until then we'll we'll see you next week bye